Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Of all of the gifts that life has to offer, a loving mother is the greatest of them all. Anonymous. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Maria Wong and the theme for our show today is the gift of mothers. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. It's always a season for giving, so give big. So Asia, with Mother's Day coming up so quickly, let's just um, talk about what, do you, what does your mother mean to you, and are there any special traditions that you celebrate on Mother's Day? My mom means a lot to me, and I know, like, in the past, you know, as a teenage girl, you know, I didn't really express my gratitude as much as I should have, uh, but now that I'm older and I realize all of the things that she's done for me, you know, it makes me really appreciate her a lot. Uh, she was the person that helped me get my business started. She was there to... Uh, helped me along the way for um, transitioning into new schools because we did move around a lot. And she was there to really help me figure out what I wanted to do for college. Uh, she helped me with the registration process. She helped me uh, figure out how to write my essays. Um, she's done a lot for me. And it's very crazy to think that so many people don't appreciate their mom or or they just don't have that special bond with them because I had a very good relationship with my mom. I had a very special bond with her when I was young and even now. And um, we always try and do really special things for her birthday or for Mother's Day uh, because she's not a huge fan of parties. She doesn't like to have a bunch of people over for the birthday um, or for Mother's Day or anything like that. So we try and find something really simple and fun to do as a family. And we usually take a trip up to... Uh, a cool city so we've been we took a trip to boulder we took a trip to estes park we have taken a trip uh to this town that has a bunch of trains and you can take a ride on them Mm -hmm. and we just like doing really fun stuff uh for her for her celebration because that's what she really likes to do she really likes to do things as a family 
Yeah, that's so great. You know, I feel the same way just about my mother, too. You know, we've also just been really close ever since I was younger. I think she really passed on a lot of things that she loves on to me, like taking me to the library when I was young, which I really feel like built up my passion for reading and my book smart segment and just all yeah. of that. But also, just like you at the college registration process, she was really involved. And I really don't know how I could have done it without her every step of the way, just because, you know, for her, um, her parents came from China and they weren't able to really help her with the college process. She didn't know it was happening at all. So she really had to go through it herself, go through community college and just work her way through it, which was a great option for her. But she really made sure for me that I had all options available, which I'm so grateful about. I think it's so great that you guys are able to do family activities every year. I always love going to different places in nature just because I feel like as a family, it's a really great place where you're not on your phone all the time. You're really able to talk and enjoy everything around you. And I feel like that is really what mothers, at least I know, at least for my mom too, would really love just to spend quality family time since everybody's always so busy. And that's really one day we really can dedicate to her and really just spend time as a family. And that's what I really love um, about, you know, being a family is that we're able to just spend time together and we don't have to worry about being on our phones and we don't have to worry about uh, one of us being gone um, because it was really, we had a pretty interesting uh, past as a family when I was younger. So it's really nice to see how we are all together now and we're able to spend a lot of time together because we're all really, really close. I have two younger brothers and whenever we have a celebration or anything like that, like uh, my parents made it a point to really include us in their celebration on their uh, 21st anniversary um, of being married. Yeah, they like to do that. They like to include their kids in a lot of things that they do because you know, the fact that they are married, you know, we were the result of that. You know, they had kids after they were married. Um, so they really like to include us and stuff like that, which is really great. And what I love about my mom and, and my dad too, but since we're talking about moms right now, uh, my mom was the person that really instilled in me a uh, business mentality um, and kind of the abundance mentality as well. She really instilled in me like the drive to be my own boss, to really make something for myself instead of waiting for somebody else to do it for me. And she really made me want to start my own business and to really have something of my own instead of going to work for somebody else. She really instilled in me that entrepreneur mentality. Then that's one thing that I'm super grateful with her. Yeah, I feel like that's so great just because we really do need more women who are in charge of businesses, who are taking roles in every industry that's available to them. And I feel like mothers and any maternal figures, really, anybody who you feel, any female who you really feel like you connect with and are able to get advice from and learn from and really respect and cherish, I feel like it's just so important for them to instill these values and remember that we all are strong and independent women. You know, I know we say that phrase a lot, maybe jokingly sometimes. But I feel like it is really important that we do celebrate not only the power of mothers, but just women in general and just everything that we're capable of, you know? 
definitely. I totally agree with that. And what I was thinking of earlier is that, you know, I kind of thought as Cynthia, our awesome producer, is kind of like yes. a, a mother figure to the Yes, team. she is. <laughs> she is so caring. She is always on top of everything. She's always asking, you know, how are you guys doing? Um, is anything new going on? She's always so invested in how we are as a team. And I think that is so amazing. And I, I definitely thought of her as like the team mother <laughs> or something. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like even from the start, you know, when writing in my audition and worksheet to join Express Yourself and afterwards, after my audition tape, when she said, if you ever need any help, um, feel free to let me know if you have any questions about what it's like to be a radio reporter or any help with speaking. I felt like even from the start, you know, just really helping us and really building us to be where we are now as radio host and just being more confident in myself and really being able to express my opinions. I feel like Cynthia has really shaped that herself. As you said, you know, just from always checking in on us to just being so involved in our lives. I'm really thankful just for all of the maternal figures I really feel like I have in my life. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it is a perfect, you know, season to be really appreciative of your mom and the maternal figures that you have in your life. I feel like that's not as emphasized uh, as, you know, you, you have your mom. Um, and it's always great to really show appreciation to your mother and the one who raised you. But I think it's also a great idea to really take into account all of the people who are like a mother figure in your life. And it's definitely a good time to really express that gratitude that you have towards them. And I'm sure they would really, really love it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like even though usually there's the typical gifts that you give for Mother Day, Mother's Day, such as flowers, breakfast in bed, all of those things I feel like are mm-hmm. so nice and just sort of an act of you know, showing that you care. But I also feel like what you have with your family, having these personal experiences and going into nature or going into towns and just really spending time together, I feel like both of those are such great options just because either way, showing that you care and appreciate all that your mother has done for you or like we said, you know, any maternal figure really, it's just super important, I feel like. And I'm just so happy we have a day for it. I'm, I'm happy too. You know, I really feel like... Uh, doing things as a family, really getting out and doing something fun is a perfect gift. But one thing that is really great is that it's always a tradition to give my mom bed and breakfast whenever it's her birthday or Mother's Day or anything like that. We just love cooking and we decided that Mother's Day and her birthday are perfect days to really cook a big meal for the whole family and give her breakfast in bed. And I was really thinking of gifts for moms because I feel like it can get cliche sometimes. Uh, with flowers and everything. And when I did one year for my mom, she doesn't really like flowers. She doesn't really like having to keep uh, a batch of or a dozen flowers alive and then and then see them die. She doesn't really like uh, doing that. So I thought, you know, why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't it be good enough to really create make a batch of flowers out of paper? So. Oh. Yeah, what I did is I got a bunch of construction paper, all different colors, and I looked up on Pinterest how to make roses out of flowers. And I created the stem, I created the uh, the buds and the flowers and everything, and to this day, I'm looking at them right now. This was years ago, probably at least three four years ago that I gave these to her, and she still has them in a vase, and it's next to her bed, so... Something like that, like they're pretty much forever flowers. She can keep them as long as she wants. She doesn't have to water them. She doesn't have to make sure they're not dying. Um, 
So that's definitely something that you can use as like a symbol of like how you'll love your mother forever is uh, making some flowers out of paper. And and it's definitely everywhere on Pinterest if you want to find something like that. And it's super easy too. Exactly. I feel like anything that really you make and show that you care. I know for me, I've written like poems for my mom in the past that she's really mm-hmm. loved or sort of sort of like a Pinterest-esque gift where it was sort of a box of like 40 reasons why I love you, which yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, just stuff like that to really show that you care and something that is permanent and at the same time something they can always look back on, just like the flowers or a poem or anything like that. I feel like they're all just such great gifts and you really can't go wrong. Definitely. And I think handmade gifts are the best kind to give your mom because it shows how much dedication you put into that and how much you love her. And it's really something instead of buying her something, the fact that you made that and it's like a gift, it lasts for a really long time. And I don't know how long those flowers are going to last, but I hope they last for a really long time as well. So definitely handmade gifts, something that it shows how much you love her, uh, definitely shows your appreciation for her, is a great gift idea because um, it allows them to really keep it for as long as they want. And it just shows how much you love them. And definitely finding activities to do with your mom. Um, My mom loves to go on hikes. She loves to go to museums. She loves to go to aquariums. Just finding something that your mom likes a lot, you can try and find an activity to do with it. And one thing that we love to do is we love this restaurant here in downtown Denver and she loves it a lot too so we always try and take her as often as possible so we might we might do that for Mother's Day uh take her to one of her favorite restaurants so just find something that your mom loves to do even if she doesn't express it a whole lot try and um use that and incorporate it into a Mother's Day celebration I'm sure she would love that yeah and I definitely agree that's fantastic advice really just find what your mother loves and really try to celebrate that with her Definitely. So and yeah. So, anyways, we are out of time. Please support our show in these amazing segments by donating to the Be the Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more info on how to do this, go to be the star you are dot org and follow our blog. I'm Maria Wong, and I'm Asia Gonzalez. Get ready for our fun event coming up on May 13th, the Morab Affair. And for more information about this, you can go to our website at be the star you are dot org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our talk. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Maria Wong. 
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we're discussing the gift of mothers. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. We have a special guest with us here today. Her name is Georgia Hunter. And in high school, when she discovered that she was a quarter Jewish, she also came from a family of Holocaust survivors. And with that information, she took a digital voice recorder and she took a notebook to record her family's remarkable story. And she spent nearly a decade traveling the globe, interviewing relatives and digging up records, and then eventually began piecing together the pages of her novel, We Are the Lucky Ones. Hello, uh, Georgia. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? So you say you spent your childhood unaware of your Polish Jewish ancestry. How did you come across it? And what was it like to discover that you came from a family of Holocaust survivors? Um, yeah, it was shocking, as you can imagine, but I did. Yeah. I was 15 years old in high school when um, an English teacher assigned us our class a project he called an iSearch, where we were tasked with um, interviewing a relative, an ancestor, to learn a little bit about our roots, our ancestral past, and I think in turn about ourselves. And my grandfather had died the year before, and I should mention that he uh, grew up a mile, I grew up a mile down the street from him, and my grandmother um, Caroline and my grandfather Addie and um, so I was very close with them so I was with he had passed away the year before and his memory was so fresh in my mind and my heart so I sat down with my grandmother and yeah it was in that during that hour-long interview that I discovered that my grandfather was not American through and through as I had presumed but that he was born in a town called Rodham Poland and that um, yeah he came from this big family of Holocaust survivors um, so I, I Definitely had a lot of questions after that interview, mostly why was I just learning this now, Um, but I've since discovered that it wasn't necessarily kept for me as some sort of big secret, uh, but rather a piece of my grandfather's past that he had chosen pretty deliberately to leave behind once he finally found himself in the States um, safe Mm -hmm. with his family. He started over as many, I think, Holocaust survivors did. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's completely understandable, but I was also wondering, so obviously you had many questions when you first discovered of your ancestry, but did you always know from the start that you wanted to write a book or do something with it besides asking questions or... That's a great question. You know, at 15, I think it was sort of an interesting age to learn this kind of piece of your of your past, and it yeah. definitely sat with me, and it, it made me ask a lot of questions, but then at 21, um, I... My mom actually hosted a family reunion at our home in Massachusetts and invited all of her father's side, um, all of her cousins on her father's side. There were 10 in all, and they all readily agreed, and they flew in from Brazil and France and Israel and all across the states, and with spouses and children, we were 32 relatives um, total, and it was a crazy week, and it was a, I met cousins I'd never met before, but one night during that reunion, I wandered outside to where my mom's generation was sitting and and sat down, and they were telling stories about the war and about my grandfather, and I listened in, and it was challenging because they were all speaking different languages at once, but um, I I kept up, and I realized that um, they were telling these stories unlike any I'd ever heard before, so I'd kind of gotten a glimpse of my grandfather's story from my grandmother, but I didn't realize he was just one small piece of a much bigger um narrative and so that you know 21 I just graduated from college I think it was at that reunion that the idea to write the book was seated I can't say 
I left thinking, okay, I'm, I, I envisioned what you see today, you know, that we were the lucky ones, but uh, it was actually at that, on that night that I sat around listening to some family stories being told that Felicia was there. She was, um, you'll meet her in the book. She was one year old at the start of the war. So essentially her entire childhood was consumed with, um, you know, knowing nothing else but being in hiding and in danger, essentially being hunted. So she had very vivid memories. She didn't share a lot of them at the table, um, but at the very end of the evening, she leaned in and said, you know, we are very, we shouldn't be here today, not all of us. And she said, we were the lucky ones. And I kind of held my breath and thought, okay, wow, like that's powerful. What is she going to say next and how and why are we the lucky ones exactly? But she, you know, that was sort of, all she had to say at that time. So clearly that phrase stuck with me. And um, I, I left with the idea to write the book, but it was another seven or eight years before I actually set off with that tape recorder and my uh, and my notebook to do some interviewing. Um, to, to, and at that point, I knew that I wanted it to take the form of a book. I didn't necessarily know it would be you know, published by Viking and, and historical fiction. I just knew I wanted to write my family's story for the sake of the family and for the sake of the generations to come. Yeah, so, that sounds amazing. How did you find your family members when you were traveling and how was that traveling process? Oh, it's amazing. Um, so the family is very close. So, it, you know, as you can imagine, they all flew from across the world to be together at that yeah. reunion. And we have since That's really cool. every couple of years. Yeah, it's awesome. Every couple of years we, we do get together. So I, um, I knew the the second generation survivors, my mom's generation, just were so incredibly supportive of this idea because sadly there were very few first generation survivors left um, mm. alive to interview. So I, um, but I visited their children in places like Rio de Janeiro and in Paris and wow. all over the states, and um, just you know they just amazing how they welcomed me into their homes and um, spent hours with me answering my questions and actually trekking around town to look at older dresses and going to the archives and helping me translate um, records and things like that. So I just found that throughout that process, I became incredibly close with the family and I I will forever be grateful for how supportive they were. And I think in turn, they will forever be grateful for the effort I put into this too, because they they each had their own parents' story to tell, but no one had kind of taken the time and effort to put together the cohesive story, which is what I did. So there's a lot of gratitude all around from, from my that, side and from their side. That is so cool. And that's so awesome how your book really gave you the opportunity to be closer with the rest of your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Were there any surprising, very, like very, very surprising things you learned while during your research process? I did. I learned, you know, of course, the stories, um, the family passed down. So these oral narratives that these oral histories that I learned in my interviews, I, some of these stories, I just couldn't even fathom, like, um, you know, an attempted escape from the ghetto of my, my grandfather, sister Milo, and she realized it was no longer safe to be in the ghetto in Rodham, Poland, where the family was forced to live. Um, she devised this plan to escape with her then three-year-old daughter and I won't give it away but it just seemed outrageous to me and to have to make that decision to put her life and her daughter's life at risk uh and those types of um scenes just uh, or stories which then later turned into scenes uh were just one after another in my research whether it was another relative 
crossing a river in the middle of January to get from German-occupied to Russian-occupied Poland or, um, you know, another relative getting thrown in jail for, uh, for being Jewish, but then never, ever admitting that she was, she was Jewish and just suffering almost five months of, um, abuse in this jail before finally getting free. You know, it's just every story kind of blew my mind. So there were those surprises, but there were also some really incredible, um, finds that I could, that I discovered through my outside research. So, um, like archives and ministries and uh, magistrates that I would contact often with the help of a translator. <laughs> I'd write a, a letter in <laughs> Polish or French or German, uh, Russian. And, and sometimes it would be a year or so before I heard, I'd hear back, but um, through one place called the Hoover Institution at Stanford um, University, actually, I found a nine-page handwritten account of my great-uncle Genix, my grandfather's older brother. Um, He had been sent off to Siberia at the start of the war, and even his children didn't know why. One of his children was born there. He didn't know when. He didn't know why his parents had been sent there. Um, So I was able to discover through this account, like, every detail of when he was arrested, why, where he was sent exactly in Siberia, what he was doing when his son was born, why he was eventually released. Uh, that was pretty surprising and remarkable and just and just very moving to be able to pass something like that on to the family, to his children um, who didn't know that piece of the history. That is crazy. That's yeah. so cool how you find out all, about all of that. And it's so interesting to hear about just small things or huge things that happened in your family you didn't even know about it. So yeah. you talk about uh, with the book that your family members could pretend to be Gentiles and then hide in plain sight. How did that go about? Uh, yeah, they were. Um, there was one family member who was actually um, in the underground who was able to produce false IDs. So uh, when the family, when they were able to, you know, manage to get out of the ghetto and. Um, they needed to pass as Aryan. So they would use these false IDs um, and they would, luckily the family members spoke perfect Polish. A few of them looked a little bit on the Aryan side, like with the, my, my grandfather's sister, Helena had blonde hair and green eyes. Um, so she was almost the orchestrator of a lot of these uh, false IDs being distributed amongst the family. But um, yeah, almost every single sibling had a story of, of either working um, right under the noses of the Germans um, with a false ID. Um, Some were in hiding. Um, My great-grandparents spent months um, in hiding with um, a couple in the Polish countryside. So they each, yeah, they had these stories of um, being forced into labor or into the ghetto, but then also of escaping and then living um, under false IDs. Even little Felicia, when she was, I think when she was five or six, um, she was posing as a little Catholic girl in a convent where she dyed her hair blonde and her name became Barbara. And so, yeah, they were all doing whatever they could, whether it meant taking on a different identity to, um, to stay alive. That's very intense. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. So your family members now being able to talk to so many of them throughout the whole entire world, what were their feelings about the Germans then during that time period? And how about now? Oh, good question. You know, of course, there were no, um, there were no positive comments about 
about the Germans at that time. Um, and in fact, there were also there was also a lot of negativity um, about the the polls too, because even if the polls were not necessarily the ones. Um, you know, rounding up the Jews and putting them in the ghetto. Some of them were standing by and letting it happen. Uh, at the same time, others were were putting themselves on the line to to help my family. So it was just interesting, kind of back and forth. Um, the Russians, the Germans, were the enemy for sure in their eyes. And to be honest, they don't talk about it much now. And and they didn't talk about it much once they once they finally found safety. Um, so. I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what they thought today or if they were still around to tell you, but I have a feeling it would not be, uh, uh, they would not have anything nice to say. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I totally understand that. Um, it really reminds me of my grandmother and all my family members during the Japanese invasion in China. It was yeah. definitely, there was definitely still um, that same tension and understandable feelings. Well, Thank you so much, Georgia, for this wonderful conversation. We're out of time currently, but we'll be sure to continue our segment, so please stay tuned. And be sure to check out Georgia's website at georgiahunterauthor.com for more information on her and her novel, We Were the Lucky Ones. I'm Maria Wong. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. Also, please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. And please visit expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. And when we come back, we will be continuing our inspiring conversation. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Maria Wong. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today on Express Yourself, we have our Mother's Day tribute. I'm Asia Gonzalez. We are back with Georgia Hunter. We Are the Lucky Ones is inspired by the incredible true story of one Jewish family separated at the start of World War II. Determined to survive, 
and Reunite, We Are the Lucky Ones is a sweeping novel spanning six years and five continents and a tribute to the triumph of hope and love against all odds. So, Georgia, in your book, you have a scene when a landlord knocks on the door and the character had to have a plan. Could you talk about that? Yes, sure. So the scene um, that you're talking about is um, told from the perspective of my grandfather's younger sister, Helena. She and her husband, Adam, are living with false papers, um, renting a place from from a landlord who comes knocking on their door. She's suspicious. Um, She says, you've been accused of being Jewish. I I know you're Jews. Do you know what, you know, I'm going to report you to the Gestapo. And at that point, um, Adam had actually sensed the suspicion and had a plan um, because when you were Jewish and posing as a non-Jew, you always had to have a plan. Um, And he had decided that the only way to actually prove to this woman that they were Aryan, even though they weren't, um, was to uh, disguise his circumcision. So he decided he was going to drop his pants for her in a this brave act of, I can't believe you're accusing me of doing this. He was going to drop his trousers and uh, without giving too much away, he had um, prepared a a bandage of sorts and, and Mm -hmm. dimmed the lights and you'll have to read the scene to see how it (laughs) unfolds. But it was, this was, this was relayed to me um, by Adam and Helena's son, Ricardo, in one of my interviews. Um, And I just couldn't believe he had the guts to do that. Uh, But you did what you had to do, I guess. And I think in the end, it probably saved his life because I can't think of what else besides an ID that would prove, um, you know, to this woman who could have very well turned them into the Gestapo and, yeah. and that probably would have been the end for them. Um, I can't think of anything else that might have might have satisfied her um, suspicion, I guess. Yeah, probably not. That's a pretty uh, surprise <laughs> when somebody tries to prove something to you like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a wild story to uncover in my research, but <laughs> I made sure to include a chapter, a scene about that in the book. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious on, did it come across sort of naturally in writing it, or did you know from the start if you wanted to write the novel, We Were the Lucky Ones, as a historical fiction novel or as nonfiction? Oh, yeah. You know, I thought a lot about uh, writing it as nonfiction only because I you know, spent so many years doing the research, and um, really every, every storyline that you read um, – in the book is true. So who was where and when is all based on fact. It just, it took me years to, to unearth it. But, um, I, my book began in the shape of a massive timeline, which I color coded by a sibling. And so I, I had their paths, their individual paths to survival, but what I didn't have, and I realized in my earlier, earlier drafts of the manuscript was, um, you know, what they were thinking and feeling and saying, um, some of those more colorful, um, human details that I felt were really important to convey. Cause my goal was twofold. One to tell the story to do the family justice and for my kids and their kids and generations to come to, to read and understand mm-hmm. where they came from. But also I think, you know, the Holocaust soon is going to feel like ancient history, which is, which is sad. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so important to remember and not just to remember it in these kind of unfathomable numbers, you know, 6 million. How do you wrap your heads and hearts around that? So for me to be able to tell it in a way that people could relate to, um, that felt kind of more 
um, relevant and, and visceral, I felt I needed to allow myself the freedom to fictionalize it to really bring the story to life in a way that that it was probably more true to how the family experienced it. It's just that those thoughts and feelings and the really colorful details weren't passed down to me in my research, in my interviews, and in my findings. So I, I allowed myself to create that, that piece of it, um, which I hope in the end, like I said, maybe brought the story closer to the truth. Yeah, definitely. I think the fact that you are writing these stories, and like you said earlier, it's very hard for everybody to wrap their head around the number of six million and the stuff that they read in textbooks because right. it's not as personal. So they can't really connect to it on the level that you allow them to with your book, which is perfect. And the best way to really keep that history alive is explaining the stories from your family so that people can really understand what happened and the history of yeah. everything that went down. Yeah, they can kind of put themselves you know, in the shoes of this one family or even yeah, this one person exactly. who is in that position and really kind of understand what that must have been like. Definitely. So now that you uh, you have the book published and you know your family's story, how do you feel about that? Do you wonder how you would have reacted during the Holocaust? Do you feel more pride about being Jewish? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely feel like I've got a more complete sense of myself, um, if that makes sense. Uh I think it all, all of us have this sort of universal curiosity about where we come from and why we are the way we are. So this discovery about my Jewish um, heritage and also just the years spent really trying to imagine myself what it would have been like to go through it um, has definitely brought me closer to family, closer to the, that, the Jewish religion, but also mostly it has helped me to understand um, <laughs> sort of these traits that have been passed down that I didn't really think much of before. But for example, you know, we're a family of problem solvers. We're very resourceful. These are all the things that my grandfather, even though he didn't teach us about his formal or his, his religion necessarily, or what, how he grew up in Poland, he, he did pass down these, these traits um, of, of never shying away from a challenge, no matter how daunting it may seem, um, of being creative and playful. He was a composer as well. He composed music. So this whole like creating something from start to finish and kind of putting it out there in the world. So I see so much of him in my mom, in myself, and now in my son. I have a five-year-old son and a very little baby at home now, actually. Um, so I, I hopefully I'll see some of those traits in him as he gets older, too. Yeah. But I think that's sort of the bigger takeaway for me, um, as opposed to the Jewishness, which is certainly relevant, more relevant in my life than it ever has been. But it's more sort of those family traits that I feel like are I'm really rooted in now. That's great. Yeah. So after finding out um, that you're Jewish and then throughout the years going and researching and talking to different family members, talking about uh, Judaism, did you start to practice at all or were you celebrating Jewish holidays as a kid or how about now? No, No, we didn't celebrate any Jewish holidays as a kid. You know, my, my parent, my mother, uh, was not raised Jewish. So once my grandfather yes. got to the States, he, he, my grandmother, he met her in Brazil, but she um, was a Presbyterian from South Carolina. So that was maybe also part of the reason why they opted not to um, kind of hold on to the Jewish religion. But I think it was more just a piece of my grandfather. He'd kind of seen what, what the religion and what the, you know, being a Polish Jew could have, should have 
if left to the odds, done for his family. So I think that was more of the reason why he left it behind. Um, so they never, uh, they never celebrated any Jewish holidays. Obviously, I was, I never knew I was Jewish, so yeah. I was raised in the Unitarian Universalist Church. Um, and actually, we did go to a, a few Passovers, uh, Seder dinners of friends. But again, I was like nine, 10 years old, not really thinking much about it, just kind of going along with it. And, um, and my husband now is Episcopalian. So no, we're not, we're not practicing the religion. But I have to say, I feel like it's definitely, uh, I did a ton of research, I had to research most of those scenes, like Seder dinners and the holidays and the traditions, um, because they weren't a part of my upbringing. Um, so just through that, and knowing it's a piece of me, I feel closer to it for sure. Definitely. So now that you have experienced this and you've learned so much about your family, how has this shaped or really changed your view on family and, and being a family? Oh, I just feel, um, I feel very lucky to be a part of this yeah. family. Um, and I realized that's another thing that, that it was kind of inevitably passed along by these survivors was just the importance of, um, remaining close with family. So I think it's, you know, a lot of people kind of raise their eyebrows or say, wow, when they hear that we have these family reunions every couple of years and people come from literally like four different continents to be together. But to me, that's normal. That's like, it has to be that way. Otherwise, how would we ever see each other? Yeah. Um, and and even, even at my book launch, I had a really cool event in New York City um, in February when my book launched at a Barnes & Noble, and I had 20 family members fly in for it. Just the Kirk wow. side. I also had my wow. husband's side. Um, but I, of the five Kirk siblings, my grandfather being one of them, four were represented at that event by children, grandchildren, and even a great-grandbaby who came. So that's, that's kind of telling in itself about what the family, you know, what family means to us. So yeah. I feel very lucky. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And since we are on today for the theme of the gift of mothers, what role has your mother played throughout your writing project for We Were the Lucky Ones and in your life in general? Oh, my gosh. She is, um, I guess, everything. She's my mom, my best friend, my confidant. She's, she's been that my whole life, but with this book project in particular, she has been, um, by my side every single step of the way. Not only did she kind of inspire the, the idea, to, she was her idea to interview my grandmother. It was partly her idea to do that in the beginning where I kind of learned about this part of my history, but then with the whole book itself, every single, uh, brainstorm session or every chapter that I fir first draft and then every revision and then but everything she was involved with and I, I loved having her by my side she's been <laughs> on my book tour she came to all 10 of my book tour events I mean I think she's Aww. she's just as um she's very proud obviously of the fact but it's also you know it's so close for her this is her father in the story that that mm -hmm. I'm writing about so it's brought brought us closer yeah, well, thank you so much, Georgia, for this great conversation. Everybody, please be sure to check out her website at georgiahunterauthor.com. And of course, her novel, We Were the Lucky Ones. I'm Maria. And I'm Asia. During the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be the Star You Are, 501c3, and Positive Message Media. For more information, you can go to events at our website at bts. 
www.expressyourselfteenradio.org. Please visit our website at expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. And when we come back, we will continue our inspiring conversation. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and I'm Maria Wong. Today's hour is all about mothers. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Today we are with our Art Attack reporter and Express Yourself host, Brigitte Gia. Take it away, Brigitte. Hey guys, it's Brigitte. Uh, I've been gone for a while, but I'm back today with another uh, segment of Art Attack, and we'll be discussing the link between art and motherhood. So as we all know, Mother's Day is coming up, and it's a day to celebrate the special bond between you and your mom. And it's just, it's super nice to really like, just appreciate that bond between mother and child. But art really does play into it. So we see that in nature, the bond between mother and child is one of the strongest possible bonds that you can have. You know, that link between your parent and the kid is kind of instinctual. It's a really like tough bond, tough bond to break. And, you know, it's just it's there. It's one of the foundations that the child has as they're growing up. You know, the mother is the producer kind of, you know, of the kid. And so we place this bond uh, as, you know, the human race in the highest regard, and we really stand by the human bond. And your mother brought you out into the world, and she defines it throughout your early years, you know, your toddler age, and when you grow older, your mother is a constant presence in your life. And a mother really helps to shape the individual as a person. And so as a result of the importance of the mother-child bond to nature and human society, motherhood has become really a common subject in art. So we see here that art is really an expressive outlet for humankind. It's how we as people express ourselves, express our feelings, express who we are. And when mother, motherhood is part of who we are, like an essential part of who we are, motherhood or the subject of motherhood naturally comes out through our art. Many of the subjects that are most significant to human history um, are conveyed through art. They're immortalized by art because they're important to humanity, and art is how humanity expresses what's important to them. And so naturally, motherhood is the subject of a lot of different paintings and a lot of different other you know, pieces of art. And so we see that art is really used to communicate the subject of motherhood. Like there's a popular um, subject, a lot of people paint Madonna or paint the Mother Mary um, from the Judeo-Christian religion. And we see that like 
that bond between uh, Mary and Jesus, that kind of mother-child bond, is portrayed in a lot of different paintings, and it's really like sacred to um, the religion as a whole. And art kind of is used to really bring out that importance and bring out the importance between um, in the bond between Mother Mary and Jesus. Um, we see, for example, like Leonardo da Vinci painted the yeah Mary and Jesus and the baby Jesus, and usually um, during that time period. Mary was painted as, you know, like a virginal figure, mother figure, and the baby Jesus was usually painted uh, with, like, the features of a grown man to signify, like, really his importance. But what Da Vinci did, and I'm sure, like, uh, both of you know and a lot of our audience knows, uh, Da Vinci painted the baby Jesus as, like, a baby to really place importance on that, you know, um, initial, like, parent-to-child bond and how special it is and, you know, how relevant Mary is to the religion as a whole um, and how relevant that bond of motherhood is. And so, um, again, as I've said over and over again, we see that motherhood really becomes kind of like a stable and like significant subject that's painted a lot and, you know, sculpted a lot. And we see a lot of artworks that have to do with motherhood and representing the mother figure because motherhood is so important to humanity. Art is really, again, I think I've said it a ton of times on this segment, but like art is really the voice of humankind. And Mm -hmm. When you have, you know, something that represents a human language, basically, and then you have something that's so important to humanity, which is motherhood, we see that motherhood is, you know, pushed forth in art and used as a subject because it's so important. All right. So (laughs) what can you do to celebrate Mother's Day with art? Um, a really good idea to um, for something to do on Mother's Day is really just to go to an art museum with your mom. You can really appreciate the art that's in the museum, connect over it. And there's usually like a nice cafe too where you can hang out afterwards. But it's like art kind of, you know, there's a lot of interpretations of art. And when people view art, they have all of these different interpretations, all of these different thoughts. And it's really cool because uh, a lot of the times if you go with your family, if you go with a family member, you find out that you and your family member kind of have some of the same interpretations of a work of art. And sometimes you have different interpretations of one work of art, and you can kind of discuss those. And I think it's a really good idea to maybe go to an art museum on Mother's Day because you have something to talk about and really connect over, like your interpretations of the art that you're looking at. And I do have a personal story. My mom used to take me to a lot of art museums, and you know, we'd we'd go specifically to maybe New York City. I live on the West Coast. So it is quite a long flight there. But we go there um, specifically to visit, you know, uh, the Museum of Modern Art and other art museums. And we plan them as like destinations. And it'd be really cool to see my mom's interpretation of the art. And, you know, it's her interpretation is shaped by what she's gone through as a person. And then I was a kid, I was maybe like 10, so I'd look at the art and I'd have this completely different interpretation. (laughs) My mom would be like, "Uh, I think it looks like this. Be like, no, you know, I I think it looks like like a piece of candy. And she'd be like, I think it represents the human soul because she's gone through so much more than I have. But we really were able to connect over, over those times at the museums and connect over art. And I think my personal love of art has stemmed sort of from my mom's encouraging me to really like put a lot into art and like, you know, study it, you know, 
endeavor in painting stuff and like drawing things. And I think, again, art is a really good connector for two people to really bond over. So it's a great thing to do on Mother's Day to go to a museum and really just look at the art and interpret it and discuss your interpretations. And I also think it's worthwhile to maybe create something for your mom. Again, anyone can do art. I love stressing this point because it's absolutely true. Anyone can do art. Anyone can, you know, create a work of art. Really, all art needs is thought, effort, and a message or an expression that you're trying to convey. Like, that's what kind of defines art, or that's my personal definition of art. And so whatever you create, if it has a meaning behind it that you want to express to your mom, whatever you create is art. If you want to, you know, draw her something that she likes on, or like a picture of something that she likes on, you know, a card, like a homemade card, it does express kind of more of a significance where like you're really putting a lot of effort into it and you're really trying to convey your feelings towards your mother through art, through the art that you created. So it does, it means a lot more, I feel like. And this this is interesting because Maria and I actually talked about this in our first segment, uh, kind of saying what you just said, you know, creating something is so much more valuable uh, because it comes from the heart. It comes from you. And it's a very personal gift. And I actually just found a really simple art project for our listeners that they can do. It's super easy, and it's actually super fun. And it's it shouldn't be too expensive. It should be pretty cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. It should cost you probably maybe 20 bucks, maybe 10 um, depending on where you go for the supplies. But all you really need is some canvas, depending on what size you want to do, just some stretched mm-hmm. canvas, some masking tape, and any color of paint <clears throat> or watercolor that you really want. Um, and I thought a really interesting thing to do would be to use tissue paper for this because it, it makes such pretty pastel colors. So mm-hmm. what you would do is you would take the canvas and you spell out the letters love. You put L-O in the first top, uh, in the top half of the canvas, and then V-E in the bottom half of the canvas. So it kind of looks like love is being spelt out in a square. And you would mm-hmm. uh, make it. Uh, make the word out of the masking tape and you would paint over the masking tape on the canvas. You can use your watercolor, acrylic, whatever you want. Um, But I thought it'd be really cool if you took uh, um, tissue paper and Mod Podge. And Mod Podge, if you guys don't know, is essentially like like a gloss, like glue kind of paste. It's wonderful. I literally use it for everything. I have (laughs) so many bottles of Mod Podge. It's crazy. Um, but what you can do is you can take tissue paper, you can get little squares or rip it up in tiny pieces, whatever you want to do with it, um, make different shapes out of it, make flowers, hearts, whatever. And you take your whatever piece of tissue paper that you have, put it on uh, your canvas and Mod Podge, put Mod Podge over it. And what happens is as you keep going, the colors kind of bleed into each other. So it kind of blends in the colors as well as your shapes and it looks really, really pretty. It kind of looks like watercolor almost. Oh, that's so awesome. Wait, that's terrific. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like those kind of projects. And like, it's so nice because you have that, the, the, with the word love spelled out. And that's yeah. really like, bam, there's the message. And yeah, that's and really honestly, cool, you can choose tissue. anything other than the word love. You know, you've got mm-hmm. as much space as you want. You can get a 24 by 30 canvas <laughs> and yes. write a paragraph out of masking tape, or you can get like, a little 8 by 10 one and, and just do the love. But Something like that is super simple. She can hang it up somewhere in the house. She can hang it up mm-hmm. in her room. She can have it on her desk at work, um, anywhere. And it's it's something that is kind of, it can actually, if you want, be used as a Mother's Day card. You know, I know my brother did that for us for mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. He didn't write cards. He got 
tiny um, seven, uh, I can't remember the size that he got, but it was like little pieces of canvas and he painted Mm -hmm. them and he customized them as the Valentine's Day card instead of just using paper, which I thought was genius. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, It means more too, I feel like. Because you've really, yeah, you've got that additional effort just like, yo, here's here's a project that like conveys my feelings. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's, it's something that you've done with your own hands, you know, and you just put your own spin on it as well. You know, you can, as you said, you can create like anything out of the tissue paper. And so you can do your own message and you could like, you know, maybe an inside joke or something like that. And I feel like that, that really does personalize it as well. Cause it's not just, you know, like there's nothing wrong with Hallmark and Hallmark is very good at conveying things (laughs) that, you know, we, we don't really know how to say. But I definitely think that there is a lot of value, you know, in handmade projects such as the one that you just brought up, which is absolutely terrific, very topical and very, very like simple and like heartfelt and it gets the message out there. And I think that's, you know, that's very important on a day like this. You want to like really put your feelings out there, really like convey to your mother that, hey, thank you for, you know, raising me and yeah, <laughs> helping me out yeah. with my life so, path yeah I thought that would be a really cool project for our listeners to do for our mm-hmm. moms because it's super easy super cheap you can go to Hobby Lobby um, actually in fact you can go to Walmart and find a really nice uh, priced canvas you can mm-hmm. even find masking tape there in fact you can find every single uh, <laughs> item that you need to make this project at Walmart so I advise you to go to Walmart if you're going to do this so Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much, Brigitte, for this segment. I feel like, yeah, for anybody, even if you don't feel like you're artistically inclined, there's so many things you can do to really show that you care with art. Mm -hmm. So sadly, it's time to say farewell. We off our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids Network, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Maria Wong. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. You have been listening to Express Yourself and on our global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to btsya.org and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, value your mothers, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines If you would let yourself